I have some good news and I have some bad news. Uh, thanks for checking out the podcast. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. The good news is there are non-alcoholic spirits. You probably know about this one. It's kind of a new thing to me, like non-alcoholic rum, non-alcoholic tequila. And I was just on the Total Wine website, and it is readily available and for example, I'm looking at one right now that is um, non-alcoholic um, bourbon, and it's $34.99. So it's not cheap, and it's a regular size bottle, so it does exist. Here's the bad news. I'm reading the reviews on this one for you, so you can you know get a little jump start on this one. So here is the details. It says, non-alcoholic bourbon made with all natural flavors and functional ingredients to help elevate your mood and recharge your body with an oaky caramel nose and velvety smooth multi-brown sugar palette the spirit of bourbon is the heart and soul of your next cocktail i scrolled down to the reviews and here comes the bad news it was disgusting it does not taste like bourbon in the least the next one says smooth gives it three out of five stars Obviously, it tastes nothing like bourbon, but as its own alt beverage, it is smooth and peppery. Very light caramel taste. Uh, would you recommend this product? No. Next one, three out of five stars. It says, I'm glad to find a replacement for bourbon, but it cannot be enjoyed straight. Nothing tastes like bourbon, and it cannot be mixed. So in other words, you want your bourbon and Coke, um, it's probably not going to work for you. Would you recommend this product? No. Uh, another one says it gave it five stars. This one says it's got five stars. Great for mixed drinks. I decided to give it a try because I quit drinking ages ago, but I miss the unique taste of Coke and bourbon. It works surprisingly well. The sting of alcohol is replaced with a seasoned spicy finish that offers the taste and aroma that I missed. It was decent on its own, but I recommend saving it for mixed cocktails. Next one, one star out of five stars. Not good. I bought this just to see if it would be good to serve friends. I tried it twice and would not recommend anybody trying this. Very poor taste, not even close to even very bad bourbon. I poured it out. Would you recommend it? No, I would not. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go back to one that's a different one. Uh, instead, uh, let's do gin. Okay, let's see. There's one called Ritual Zero Proof Non-Alcoholic Gin. And I'm getting these reviews off of TotalWine.com. And I'm not here to review these. I just thought it was interesting that, yes, they exist, but they're not always getting the best reviews. So here's one. It is $24 for a 750-milliliter bottle. Not too bad. So let's see what they say. Savor the bright botanical notes and clean burn of gin without the calories and hangover. Ritual Zero Proof Gin Alternative is bright and refreshing with a crisp, and, a crisp bite on botanical nose. Gin is made from juniper berries. That's the predominant taste in gin is juniper berries. Uh, and let's read some of the reviews. Okay, five stars. When trying to cut a few calories, I wanted to take alcohol out of the mix for a month or so. The big challenge was missing the flavors. Turns out Ritual Gin provides a similar fragrant dance of flavors, and the slight heat stimulates the alcohol nicely. I didn't miss my cocktail with friends at all when I could have a ritual gin and tonic instead. So that's good. Next one says, I love this non-alcoholic gin. I buy it from my mother and she really likes it. She is elderly, doesn't need alcohol, but wants a drink or two in the evening. So this is our solution. So this is getting next one, five stars, next one, five stars, next one, four stars, next one, one star. Uh, and it says, this stuff is rough. Discard any notion you're buying anything remotely like gin by itself. I found it barely drinkable as a mixed drink with vermouth or tonic. It was awful. Next one, five stars. Next one, three stars. So the gin is good. So I guess there's good news 
and bad news and more good news. Well, welcome to the podcast. We're not going to do raw reviews on that one. I will only say that we're going to talk to somebody here in a second. Uh, and if you're trying to cut back or you want to hear stories from people who have been down the same road that you are on or that you have been on, this is the podcast for you. It is not judgy. It is not preachy. Um, I've been in a place in my life where I said, oh my God, I am drinking way too much. And now I have a much healthier relationship with alcohol. And um, uh, we, you know, we were in Hawaii last week and every night I had a martini. Just one, but every night I had a martini. I'm on vacation. And I'll be honest, it was a generous martini. Um, but I got home and I said, you know what? I don't want anything. So for a few days, I'm just, I've had no desire. I don't want any. And sometimes that's just how it goes. So I think you want to work to a healthy relationship with alcohol and get to a point where you're like, you know what? I'm okay with where I am right now. But if you're not okay with where you are, that's why we're here. And I think hearing stories from other people who are absolutely 100% wonderful, normal, average people, uh, whether they're rich, poor, tall, short, athletic, not so athletic, whatever race or ethnicity, it doesn't matter because we just want to hear about their stories that are, might be similar to ours. And a lot of people have stories that they don't let you know about. And that's what the podcast is for. Today, we're going to talk to a friend of mine named Angie. And it's, you know, I thank my friends. I would say probably half the people on the podcast have been friends of mine. And I don't know Angie well. I met Angie years ago. She's listened to the Dave Ryan show on KDWB for years um, uh, from back in the 90s. And I'm going to guess Angie is probably close to my age, probably 10 years younger than me, something like that. And uh, Angie and I met on Booty Cruise. Now, if you don't know what Booty Cruise is, uh, it was a big boat a 900-capacity boat that would float up and down the St. Croix River in the summer on a warm night full of male strippers and drunken partying women. And it was a ton of fun. It just got to be a little too much of a party, a little too many drunks that were throwing up or starting fights. And we just said, you know what? It's just turned into something we don't want to do anymore. But I met so many of my good friends on Booty Cruise uh, and we've had some great memories on there. Maybe you've been on a booty cruise or two and you remember what great fun they are. Uh, but I met Angie on there and I don't know Angie well, but we've kind of stayed in touch through social media over the years. And I said on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, Hey, if you want to be on my alcohol podcast, let me know. And Angie reached out. So kind of jumping into the middle of the conversation here, because Angie and I were talking, but let's join the conversation with Angie and learn about her experience with alcohol and what it's been like for her. Everybody's story is different. Angie, start wherever you want to and tell me your story about your experience and struggles with alcohol. Sure. You know, my story is just a little bit different um, only because, um, you know, like growing up in high school and stuff, I never drank or, you know, did, tried drugs or anything like that. I was pretty straight laced. Um, but I also come from a generation of alcoholics. Um, there's a long history of alcoholism in my family. Um, so it's it's really not a surprise that, um, you know, once I started drinking, I found it really hard to stop. Um, what started for me is I, I wasn't really a big drinker at all, um, except I um, probably about 10 or 15 years ago, I went through a divorce and, you know, I was so depressed 
and I was finding a hard, you know, time just to get out of bed and stuff that, you know, my friends were trying to encourage me to, you know, get out and get out of the house and have a good time. And, you know, they certainly meant well. And so that actually, when I started drinking was just basically to try and cope with um, my divorce. Okay, so you were sad, you were depressed, you were kind of triggered in a way, and you found that what a lot of us has found, alcohol is a great uh, tool, and a horrible tool, but a great tool to help forget. And if you're depressed or sad or something's on your mind, uh, then alcohol, in the words of Homer Simpson, sweet liquor helps numb the pain. And so in your case, you drank because of the pain of your divorce, and did you find that it helped? Well, I will say that um, in the beginning, it, it did help some. I mean, I just felt good being out and being with my friends and being human, you know, and feeling human. Sure. But I quickly went from, you know, the, the woman who was just having a couple cocktails to the woman who became blackout drunk. Oh, boy. And then my friends who used, you know, who initially wanted to take me out to have a good time ended up you know, becoming so resentful and, you know, wouldn't talk to me because every time we'd go out, I would become such a mess and then they'd have to take care of me because I, I just was blackout drunk. Now, let's stop there and, and, and talk about the term blackout drunk, which is a real thing. I mean, we toss it around like it's like, wow, that means really drunk. But I, I read about this. It literally, there's a part of your brain where if you get so drunk, it's like the hippocampus or something like that, where you have no memory. Things that come into your brain, in through your eyes, in through your mind, they don't stay in your brain. So you black out. So that means you can be obnoxious and drunk and throw up and take a swing at a friend or whatever, and you literally don't remember it. So you would go out and you would get obnoxious and annoying and drunk and you would not remember it. Is that accurate? Yeah, I, I mean, there would be, I would remember some parts of the evening, but there's a lot of parts I didn't. Um, and then like the next day, I mean, I'll be honest, there were times that I would wake up the next day and wonder how I got home or wondered where my car was because I had absolutely no recollection at what had taken place the night before. Would you say that you you never set out to get blackout, blackout drunk? You never said, I'm going to get shit-faced so bad that I don't remember anything. That was never your thought, I'm going to guess. Oh, no. It, it was never my intention. And, you know, as time went on, I, I tried to tell myself, like, okay, I'm going to go out tonight, but I'm only going to have, you know, X amount of drinks or, you know, I'm not going to do shots or I'm just going to stick with beer. You know, I would just set myself up with these, you know, in good intentions, if you will. Um, but, you know, I, it just never stayed that way. So you would go out and you would have like a lot of people who drink too much do or have a problem or struggle. Uh, you would set out with really good intentions. I'm going to have a couple of drinks, but I think that I've told my son Carson this before, not because Carson has any sort of drinking issues, but I said, you are a small human. You are not tall. You're not a big man. You cannot drink as much as your friends do. So, but the problem with that is all of your judgment goes out the window after X amount of drinks. So you might say, Angie, I'm going to go out and I'm going to have two beers and that's it. But after two beers, you start to loosen up a little bit, and pretty soon you're on beer number six, and now you're drunk, right? Exactly. Yeah. 
And, you know, it got to the point that my, you know, a lot of my friends stopped talking to me because they didn't want to go out with me because they didn't want to take care of me. So my solution then was to go to the bar by myself oh boy. and meet other bar friends. And they became my friends. So you, cause you're a very, I've, I've known you for quite a while. You're a very outgoing, fun, energetic kind of a person. You'll approach strangers. So I'm going to guess you went up to bar, you went up to people at bars and just made friends with different people. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. I always say, you know, yes, I am outgoing and I am Italian. And I always say I have two volumes, loud and louder. <laughs> and it's like I have no, I would have no problem, you know, making new friends at the bar. I mean, it, um, you know, later on when I, uh, when I met my now husband, I mean, there were times where he would have to come pick me up at the bar and I would be like, oh, come meet, you know, six of my new best friends. And he would just kind of roll his eyes like, Oh yeah, here we go again. Like someone she's not going to remember the next time she sees them, wow. which is true. Sometimes I wouldn't. Were you having fun while you did this or were you not aware during that period of your life when your friends were not talking to you and wouldn't take you out and you'd go make bar friends and your were you having fun during that time or were you not? Um yes and no. In the beginning, I was having fun, even without my friends. But at the end, I wasn't because I would sit at the bar and I would think to myself, oh, damn, that person, you know, for stop talking to me like I have a problem. And then I would just, you know, I'd be upset or whatever. And I would drink some more. But, you know, towards the end, it wasn't fun at all. I mean, I just, you know, I didn't sleep good. I didn't feel good. I would wake up with the shakes every day. Like I couldn't even like stand in the shower to take a shower. I'd have to like hold on to the wall because I'm, you know, that I'm, you know, I'm shaking so much from drinking. And I mean, no, that was not a good feeling. How long did this period go on? I mean, let's say from the period when you started going out with your friends and it turned from going out for a couple of drinks to they don't want to talk to you anymore or take you out to, to how long did your party years go on, Ange? I would say four or five years. Okay. Okay. And at any point, did you self-examine? Did you go home and sit there on a Saturday afternoon and go, what am I doing? Did you ever self-examine or did you say, I'm going to plunge into, I'm going to plunge ahead and go out again tonight? Oh, absolutely. Every weekend, I would say I would be committed to saying I'm done drinking. I'm not going to drink anymore. But then, you know, come Thursday night and start thinking about the weekend, I'll think, oh, well, this weekend, I just won't drink as much. So, you know, I bet you I said for about seven months that I needed to quit drinking before I finally quit drinking. Okay. And then how many times did you try to stop before? How, how, how long have you been sober now without a drink? I have been sober for six years, seven months, and 15 days. Look at you. Wow. Round yeah. of, I think I have a round of applause key somewhere on my uh, on my little computer here. Let me check here. No, that's laughter. Hold on. That's not it. Hold on. There we go. Oh, thank you. There's a round of applause here. Um, so how did you stop? And I think that's one of the big things is, you know, a lot of people go, well, I want to stop, but then God, they really want to drink. What was your technique, method, secret, anything you can share? Well, the first four months that I was sober, I, I didn't leave my house 
because I was afraid to be triggered anywhere that I went. I, I was afraid that I would want to drink. So I literally isolated myself and went to work and came home and that was it. Um, but I realized that I wasn't going to be successful long term if that was my mentality because I am an outgoing person. So that's when I decided to give um, AA a try um, just because I wanted to meet some sober people. Now, mind you, at this point, I knew I had an, I had had an issue with drinking, but I didn't think I was an alcoholic. Uh-huh. I just thought I needed, you know, to meet sober friends and meet. I told myself I was going to quit drinking for a year just to see if I could do it. Um, and then, like I said, I got lonely. So then I thought, well, I'll start going to AA. And there was a, there was a meeting that was like literally four blocks from my house. And I thought, if I can't make that meeting, then, you know, I can't do anything. I want to stop there and ask because I, as I'm listening to people's stories like yours, Angie, there's like little notes going off in my head. I want to stop there for a second and, and, and say that we've talked about AA briefly with different people here on the podcast. What is an AA meeting like? Because what I'm imagining is you go into a church basement, there's uncomfortable metal folding chairs. It's like in all these bad Ben Affleck movies where you go in and it's awful and uncomfortable. What is an AA meeting like? Well, there's there's tons of different meetings, but um, meeting formats and types. But um, you're right about the church basement and the uncomfortable folding chairs. And don't forget the horrible tasting coffee. Um, (laughs) But the type of meeting that I went to was um, number one, it was called an open meeting, which meant that friends and family of um, alcoholics were welcome to attend where a lot of meetings are closed meetings, which means the, the person struggling with alcohol is like the only one welcome. Okay. Um, so this was an open meeting and it was also a speaker meeting. And what I like about speaker meetings is that, you know, someone gets up and shares their story, just like we're doing on this podcast. They that share, is, you that know, is the speakers. How, so Angie yes. is this week's speaker, for example. Yes, exactly. Okay. And I'll never forget the, the woman was speaking and she was sharing her story. And I thought, holy shit, I'm an alcoholic. Like I, I so much of her story resonated with me that I, 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 it was like in that moment, I knew like, oh my God, I'm an alcoholic. Like I, like I said, up until that moment, I knew I had an issue with drinking, but I didn't think I was an alcoholic. But then I knew it, it was crazy. What? How did you feel when you realized, oh, my God, I'm not just Angie who's like needs to cut back a little bit. I'm not just Angie who struggles. I'm an alcoholic. How did that feel? Well, I, I had mixed emotions about it. Um, I was I was relieved to to finally, I guess, be able to say it and admit it, which, um, you know, that's the first step in, in recovery is, you know, admitting that, the, you know, your life has become unmanageable and my life was definitely unmanageable. Um, but I also was um, sad and scared because, like I said, I came from a family of alcoholics, you know, generations, and I just... You know, it's kind of one of those things where you you just hope that it ends, but then it's like, well, you know, here, here's yet another person in the family, you know, who has, you know, struggles with this um, as well. So, you know, it was mixed emotions, but you know, now, I mean, I mean, I don't walk around with a shirt that says, hi, I'm Angie and I'm alcoholic, but I'm also not ashamed of it. And I appreciate that. And I think that there is no shame in it. Um, 
but people are ashamed because they feel like they're not living up to some society or self-expected norm or whatever. Um, do they really say that in meetings? They say, hi, my name's Angie and I'm a- an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, some people will, you know, most people will say, hi, yes, I'm an alcoholic or alcoholic slash addict or, you know, whatever it is that they, they'll say. Some people will just say their name. You know, there might be people who, who are just there to, to check the meeting out, who, you know, are trying to feel, try and figure out for themselves, you know, if that's what they are or not. And I mean, you know, really, and I've seen people who have shown up at meetings who are under the influence, but, and that's okay because the only member, you know, they say the only membership requirement for AA is the desire to stop drinking. Okay. So, if I wanted to go, and when I say I, I mean everybody who's listening and might want to go to an AA meeting, you can just look up online, AA meeting near me, and you can, can you literally go and sit and observe and not say anything? Absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, people, I, I will say that um, that meeting that I went to that night, the people were very welcoming. A lot of people came up and introduced themselves and said, you know, and shook my hand. You know, this was way pre-COVID when all that stuff was okay. But, Mm -hmm. you know, give hugs and stuff like that. Um, But, yeah, there's a lot of people who, you know, and if if you're in a circle and it happens to come to you and you say, I don't want to share, that's completely fine. You don't have to. What is a non-speaker night when you say, okay, we have a speaker night, we have, you know, Greg from Oakdale who's going to tell his story. What happens at an AA meeting at a non-speaker night? Well, there's, like I said, there's different formats. There's, um, there's like big book meetings where, you know, people will read um, a section of the big book and then they'll discuss it, you know, that sort of thing. The big book, meaning... The big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, there's a, I've never heard of that before. There's literally, I thought you meant, it, meant the Bible. You're talking about no, a literal, no, no, there's no. a book called the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yes, there is. Did and not know it, that. Yeah, it is, you know, it is a book that I actually have on my phone. Um, so I can reference it whenever I need to. And, you know, I know Carla had mentioned that last week that, you know, a lot of people get caught up on the God part of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, I would encourage people who, you know, might have that feeling to just try and go in there with an open mind. God can be just whatever you consider your higher power to be. It doesn't have to be God. It could be, you know, whatever. It could be, you know, a tree in your front yard that you love more than anything. That can be your higher power. It doesn't, they they use God, yes, but it's just a God of your understanding. Okay. And I think that is a hang up for a lot of people because different people have different views on religion. Some people are Christian, some people are Muslim, some people are whatever, and some people are agnostic. And I think a lot of people probably are turned off by the God thing. Why did AA work for you? And the reason AA- I ask that is because some people it doesn't work, but why, Angie, did it work for you? Honestly, AA worked for me because of the fellowship. It's because of the people that I have met in the rooms. And I've been to many different meetings, many different formats in this past six you know, years that I've been sober. I don't go every week. I don't even necessarily go every month, you know, but they're always there if I need them. But I, 
you know, I have met some of the most wonderful people in those rooms that I would never have met them any other way. Chances are, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's the sober connections that I've made. Um, you know, they're all my friends that I have now are, are sober, you know? So like, I don't, you know, I do have a couple friends that, you know, I've had for years that, you know, we don't go out drinking together, but I mean, most of my friends are sober that I've met in AA. So what do you do now to avoid the triggers? Because one of the things that we've talked about on this podcast is alcohol is everywhere. Hey, come on over for a glass of wine or, hey, we're getting together for a little bonfire in the cul-de-sac. Bring some beer or um, we're going to go to happy hour. Alcohol is everywhere. And sometimes when, you know, like uh, if you go out and you go, uh, I'll have an iced tea and your friends are looking at you like, what, are you not drinking? Or you order an O'Doul's. And by the way, O'Doul's sucks. There's so many better non-alcoholic <laughs> beers. Um, and that like Heineken 0.0 is way better. Uh, so just be if you, before you have a non-alcohol beer and, and have O'Doul's and go, that's bullshit, try some different ones. But how do you avoid those triggers, Angie? Because they're everywhere. Well, the biggest thing that I do to avoid those triggers is to to not you know, go to the places that I I used to go to drink. Now, you know, my husband and I like to try, you know, local mom and pop places and we might go to a bar and grill, you know, to eat, but we won't sit in the bar. We'll sit in the restaurant, you know, and then we'll leave. But like, you know, true, like, like bars where you just walk in and that's all they have is like potato chips and peanuts and, you know, drinks. I mean, I, I haven't been in a bar bar in, you know, over six years. Do you miss the social feeling that you only get in a bar where it's like, you know, there's the bartender and there's some people that you know and there's darts and there's pool and there's cribbage. Do you miss any of that or was that ever a thing for you? No, I, I, you know, there are times and I won't lie. There are times that I do miss it. Um, I miss being like not caring what other people think of me and like, you know, not being insecure about things and stuff like that. There are times that I miss that, but then I will see someone who might be sitting at a bar and they look like they're just wasted or, you know, I'll watch videos on TikTok, you know, and they'll show people who are wasted and like throwing up and stuff like that. And I think, oh, my God, I do not miss that at all. Because a few years ago, seven or eight years ago, nine, ten years ago, that was you in a way. Absolutely. It was me. How is your life better now that you've not drank for over six years? Oh, my life is better in, in so many ways. I got sober about 10 months before I got remarried. So I've been sober my entire marriage, which has, which means a lot to me. I mean, I, it just, it really does. Um, I, you know, we, we travel, we, you know, we do lots of things. I was worried, like when I quit drinking, like, are we going to have any fun together without alcohol? But it honestly has enriched our relationship so much. Talk about that Um, because I, that is one of the concerns of people that I know. They, they say, I know I drink too much, but I don't want to stop altogether because I really enjoy it. When I go on a motorcycle ride, for example, I want to stop at the biker bars and get a drink. But tell me how this has enriched your relationship and tell me how, tell me, talk about that a little bit. 
Well, it's enriched my my relationship because my husband was never really a big drinker. He drank because I drank. And then, you know, towards the end of it, he we would go somewhere and he wouldn't even drink because he knew he would have to be taking care of me by the end of the night. You know what I mean? So that was a, a big thing for him. And, um, you know, and because he wasn't a big drinker, I was the one that was concerned, like, well, that's all we've really done is sat in a bar. Um, but it just turns out like, you know, now instead of going to bars, we like to go to mom and pop coffee shops. You know, we'd like to try, like I said, mom and pop restaurants and stuff like that. We've started traveling. Um, and that's, I mean, none of that stuff would have happened if my, you know, if my ass was still sitting on a bar stool in a bar. I'm so happy, Angie, and uh, that that you are not still sitting at a bar stool on a bar. And I know that there are people who are listening who probably do know someone or find themselves going, oh, that's kind of me. I do sit on the bar stool at the bar. You know, not even that. There's a lot of people who, like, they don't go to the bars necessarily, but they will open the bottle of uh, Chardonnay at the end of the night and polish off a bottle or two. And a lot of people don't even know. So you are happy that you are no longer... Uh, 2009 Angie that you are now 2022 Angie and uh, and you have a whole different life now absolutely I do yeah um, you know very happy life I have two granddaughters who are three and two and there's no way I would have a good relationship with them if you know I was still drinking because there's no way my child would have let me anywhere near his daughter's well, and you're right, and there's a there's a lot of things that, that I've heard stories about that. It's like, oh, okay, well, Grandma passed out while she was watching the kids or something like that. And trust me, that happens once. It's never going to happen again, or at least it shouldn't right. happen again. What would you tell somebody, Angie, and I know that there's like everybody's different and everybody responds to different thoughts. What would you tell somebody who is the wine mom who is drinking too much, or maybe you would rather talk to somebody who's just like you. Let's talk to somebody who's just like you, who I love to go out. I love to go with be with my friends, but I get drunk. I get blackout drunk. And so uh, screw my friends. I'm going to go out with a new talk to somebody. What would you say to somebody who was just like you? Um, I guess I would say that um, it is possible to have a happy, fulfilling life without alcohol. Um, I, I know that it's it's scary sometimes to think about and it and it's really hard. I won't lie. It is it it was hard, especially in the beginning. Um, but it's possible. I mean, it's really, really possible. And you know, I AA is not for anyone, not for everyone, but I would encourage it just just simply for the fellowship. To, you would be surprised at how many like-minded people you will meet in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's a really powerful statement. I would encourage you, if that sounds like something that might interest you, do what Angie suggested. Just go and observe. And if you want to sit outside the circle and just be there, 
Um, I used to be in a Toastmasters club, and when you talked about meeting in the church basement, that was kind of, we met in the bank basement, so we didn't meet in the most glamorous place either, and we would have people that were welcome to come by. We had a core group of about 15 of us, and Toastmasters is all about speaking and public speaking and holding better meetings and things like that, and some people would come by to check us out, and we would absolutely welcome them. They didn't have to do anything, and if they never showed up again, you know what? That was totally fine. At least they checked us out, so... If AA works for Angie and you want to give it a shot, do what Angie suggests and just show up, find one, sit outside the circle on your uncomfortable metal folding chair and drink the bad coffee. And you might go, this is really something for me or I'm intrigued. Would you also say that because each AA club is different, that if you go to one and it's not your vibe, go to a different one? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's great meetings and there's not so great meetings. I personally, like I said, like the speaker meetings, those, I, I really feel like I learn a lot from those. Um, but you'd actually be surprised, especially if you're in like a, you know, local area, you might try, you know, different meetings and you might, you wouldn't be surprised to see some of those same people at those same meetings. What's the name of the book again that you talked about? The big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. Check that out, too. I'm not sure where that's available to get, but I'm going to guess if you go on alcoholicsanonymous.com, heck, it might even be on Amazon. I'm not sure. Do you know where to get this book? Obviously, you do. You have one. Yeah, you can. um, I mean, you can find them at Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Um, You can actually go online, and I'm pretty sure you might even be able to download like a PDF copy of it for free. Okay, so check that out. Worth checking into because there's people who can just quit like Big Jess early on in this podcast series, and there are people who need to try something different. So, hey, Angie, it was a delight talking to you, and I'm I'm so happy that you took some time to tell about your story. Every story that you share on this podcast helps and touches someone. So if you want to tell your story on this podcast like Angie did, then send me an email to Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Angie, I heart you. Thanks for being on. And we'll talk to you again sometime soon, I hope. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on. I want to thank all the people who have reached out a lot of them through social media to say how much they appreciate this podcast and how they've listened to either a lot of the episodes or every episode of they binged on it and they found something in these podcasts that speaks to them. And I keep talking about whether I'm going to continue this uh, series or whether I'm going to move on to something else. I got to tell you with the response that I'm getting and I'm looking at the number of people who are listening every week and it's bigger than people who have ever listened to my podcast before. So apparently we're reaching a lot of people and, uh, and helping people out. So as long as people keep responding to the podcast, then I think we're going to keep doing this at least for a while longer before we move on to something else. But if you want to be on the podcast or if you want to comment on something or if you just want to reach out on social media, I'm on Instagram at Dave Ryan KDWB. I'm on Twitter at Dave Ryan KDWB. And of course, email Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. What am I going to do one day when I get fired from KDWB and I can't use their call letters anymore? I don't know what I'm going to do. Anyway, hopefully that's not for a while down the road. But in the meantime, send an email, reach out on social media at Dave Ryan KDWB or Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Thank you so much for listening. Maybe you can recommend this podcast. Word of mouth is a great thing uh, to somebody who might benefit from it. Thanks again for listening to Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. 